Welcome to Cultured, a podcast for everyday disciples that are following Jesus in the midst of a crazy culture. My name is Tim. Uh, these are my good friends, Jason and Molly. Uh, we're coming at you from Denver, Colorado, and uh, it's just a really good day. Yeah, so is. Molly, uh, just tell, if there's anyone new joining us today, tell them, what is The Brook? Yeah. Um, we are a collection of young professionals that uses the means of digital outreach and social events to raise up leaders to impact Denver and then the rest of the world. Awesome. Yeah, yeah and uh, we're excited to, uh, to bring you guys some content today. So just mm -hmm. let's start off. How are you guys doing? What's going on? You see okay? Yeah, it's been a good day. Um, I got to hang out with a friend this morning, and um, she actually just got back from a trip to Spain. She walked the El Camino Trail. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of that. And yeah, it was just really neat. She got to tell me about her experiences of how they just got to meet different people, connect with people from all over the world, talk about different faith backgrounds. And she just came back really excited to be a disciple and live on mission here in Denver. So that was really fun. I'm sure there was some cool perspective change too. Like when we're in America, we live like in our city, we get used to our routine and our job and our friends. And you go see something entirely new. I'm sure it's like a healthy perspective change. Well, that trail is interesting because people come from all around the world to find themselves, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I feel like that's even part of like, what the Brooks hope is, is for people to find themselves, but find how God intersects that and what God can do in your world. Yeah, that's good. So yeah. Jason, yeah, you give us the update. Mm, What's up, man? I had breakfast today at Denver Biscuit Company. I had the Franklin. You did, you really? Yeah, I feel terrible. If you've never heard of the Franklin, the Franklin probably has 6,000 calories. Fried chicken <laughs> on biscuits, covered with gravy, bacon, and cheese. Which, not good for the body, but good for the soul. Good for the soul. But That's I was right. talking to a buddy. He was telling me he just got uh, baptized, actually, last week. And he was like, yeah, I got baptized. I was really happy. I felt like all this love in the room. And then I go to my car. And he goes, I know I parked really bad on the street. But I literally had somebody took, like, a piece of cardboard. And they wrote out, like, this terrible note of how, like, hateful they're just super hateful to this guy and it was just he was like it was so crazy how mean people are mm -hmm. but even why do you guys think that like we just live in a culture where grace is not shown to people we don't like really have a loving culture why is this in the culture mm -hmm. we live in yeah i think even that word grace is just kind of like you hear it and you're like wait what what is grace um from the time that I was a kid, like I was instantly through sports and academics, like put into like perform performance culture. Mm -hmm. And I just think that we were trained from a young age to win, mm -hmm. like to beat the next person, to perform, to achieve. And uh, it's funny, I actually heard someone say this the other day that Denver is an Enneagram three town, wow. which if you're new to the Enneagram, the Enneagram three is like the achiever and the performance. And so there is this like hustle. You culture. fit in well. Yeah. I'm you're a Enneagram three. three. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm All the, you want to do is win. I'm the profile. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think it is real is, is like we are taught like to win and to achieve. And so um, what, what happens is when we're focused on winning, oftentimes our thought is not for, hey, how can I be concerned for the needs of somebody else? Mm -hmm. How can I extend somebody grace when they probably don't deserve it or necessarily need it? Mm -hmm. uh, it's just not like programmed into us. We also live in like a, especially right now, like this polarized world where you have politically, you have like economically you just have people it's like we want to hate each other and when you grow polarization and when you grow, grow hate on both ends it pushes the other narrative and so like even you we're in like political season and every mm. single thing you hear is just hate 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 fear 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 and when you do that what it does is it just creates a culture where grace is not the foundation it's actually it's all we are the best 
and we are better than this person. And so the culture we yeah. live in right now is just so infiltrated with, it's all about me, it's all about what we can, like my thing can provide for you, it's not about like just a selfless society. Yeah, and we have high expectations, right? Like for others, we put expectations on others and so we're, we're instead of extending grace, we put our expectations on, on people and um, yeah, that's not what Jesus did. Yeah. yeah, and it just makes you realize too that like the culture that we live in, like the air that we breathe, it is forming us. Mm-hmm. Like whether or not you're political, whether or not you agree with uh, just what's happening around the world, like it has such a strong impact on us. It's almost like a gravitational pull. Mm-hmm. And in order to fight against that, like we do have to live counterculturally. And it's so, like, I just want to bring in, there's a, there's a Bible verse that's been really impactful for me. Uh, it's actually in Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. And it says, for is by grace, you have been saved through faith. Mm-hmm. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. And here it is, not by works so that no one can boast. And then it goes on to tell us that we are God's handiwork and we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So there's a lot there, but it's, you know, you hear words like being saved. You hear words like by grace through faith. So as you guys think about this, like idea of being saved, what does that actually mean in reference to the culture? I would say being saved is there's, I actually think it's hard in our culture because I don't think anybody thinks they need to be saved from anything. We're in a culture where it says, do whatever feels right and you are right. And so really what the culture is saying is that you are God Mm -hmm. and that everything that you think is true. And so I actually don't think we live in a culture that feels like they need to be saved by anything. We live in an incredibly wealthy culture. There's not many bad things that happen to us. I ask people all the time, like, what are the hardships in our life? And really the hardships that they face are pretty minor mm. compared to like the history of the world from famine to drought <laughs> to like crazy diseases that kill hundreds and hundreds of thousands, which we did just come out of a pandemic, which I actually think people started questioning what is saving me. So yeah. I don't even think we have a, a, a lot of times in our culture, a need to be saved. And I think the word saved, um, what comes to my, ma- my mind is another word like rescued. When you, like, I think of somebody drowning in a boat. It's like, are you going to save that person? Are you going to, like, rescue that person? And what I think um, God wants to do for us is to save us from ourselves, actually. I think that we put ourselves as, like, the ruler of our own lives and, like, the Lord of our own lives. And we try to, like, do everything that we can to, like, muster up this life we think is going to be great. But then we come to the end of ourselves and we realize you know what, like all the things I'm doing to try to get this life aren't working. I need saving from myself because what I'm doing is not working. And I see people start desiring to be saved from something when something starts controlling their life and they lose control. So that might be an addiction. That might just be anxiety, depression, whatever might come up. But when those things come up, what it is is that we know, and the Bible clearly says that God is good. He is perfect. He is over all things. And the world we live in, there's this word sin that separates us from God. And it's really anything that we do that goes against what God commands. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, it's always like I try to do the good God calls me to, but I still sin. I still go back to these things that like, I think will give me life, but they don't give me life. And so what this verse is even even saying is that Jesus has come to save you from those things, yeah. save you from yourself, 
to save you from sin so that you might have a life. Well, and what's interesting too is the Bible teaches that it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace, which is such good news. Like if there was one banner that every human being on planet earth could unify under, it's that we're all broken people. Mm -hmm. Like every single person has fallen short of how God originally intended our lives to be lived, which is why back to your point, Molly, like we have, in order to be saved, we have to be saved from something. Mm -hmm. We have to be saved from ourselves. So that Bible verse, it says that the way that we are saved is through this concept of grace. And like we talked about, grace is kind of a word that a lot of us probably can't conceptualize. Like, why do you guys think grace is just operating in such stark contrast to the culture that we live in? Well, I think of um, a couple months ago, I went to get my hair did. And so, <laughs> yeah, you know, Looks I, good. Thanks, thanks. I was coming out of my appointment. I had parked in this parking spot, did a good job parallel parking. And I, I did good. I did good. Um, but I knew that um, the timer was already up and that I was probably going to get a ticket. And you can't just get up out of the chair when you're in the middle of getting your hair done, you know, and go pay, put more money in the, the parking meter. And so I came up and the cop was like right there about to write the ticket. And I just said to him like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, you know, I know it's like over time. And I should have gotten a ticket. Like by law, the law said like, okay, like the timer's up, like you deserve a ticket. And the guy looked at me and he's like, okay, I'm gonna let you go. And I was like, whew, okay, awesome. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to tell my husband I got another parking fine and pay it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think what grace is, is like we deserve something. Like by law, I, I deserve that, but um, he let me go. Like he, he looked over that. And I didn't, I didn't get that ticket. Yeah. Yeah. But, I think grace in our culture as well is just one of those things that, yeah, we've been so programmed that you, what you work for, you earn. And so like, like you said, all growing up in school, like, yeah. okay, I do this and I get this grade. And so when it comes to being saved, like we feel like there's something in us all that feels like we have to justify being saved. Like if God's going to save me, there's got to be a catch of something I do, but what grace is and how like you could define it really easily is just unmerited favor. Yeah. You just don't deserve a favor that is put on you. And I always grew up, I, I kind of think that we, especially in America, have like God is Santa Claus. This is why we <laughs> think that have a bad view of grace is, you know, what is, what's the song? He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He, he knows, knows if, if you've been bad or good. So be good. For goodness sake. There you go. Uh, great Christmas trip. That's right. That's right. Uh, but like that's actually, I think most people yeah. think that about God. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Creepy. He's watching you the whole time. And then be good for goodness sake. Like you have to be good. And if you don't match up, you've been naughty and you're on the naughty list. Yeah. And that's yeah. the exact opposite of grace. We're all on the naughty list yeah. and he overlooks it and that was the whole point like that was why jesus came mm -hmm. like it's actually your sin your brokenness all the areas where you fall short that qualify you to receive the free gift of grace that jesus offers and that's the backwards upside down kingdom of heaven that we live in yeah and actually i was actually sharing this verse with a um, a girlfriend of mine the other day and she said she came from a very traditional background where she had to go to church and go to confession and she basically stopped following God because she, she said, you know what, I, this, this just keeps happening. Like, I'm not perfect. I cannot be perfect. I don't measure up. So I'm just going to stop trying. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
So in this verse, like if you kind of compare and contrast, it's interesting. Like it, if, you, if you like drew a chart that says, okay, what are we saved by versus what are we not saved by? Well, we are saved by grace through faith. So I am here and we're saved by grace and faith and it's not from ourselves. So we're not saved by ourselves. It is the free gift of God. So we are saved by God, not by works. So it's like just such a contrast, right? Like everything mm-hmm. that you guys just talked about is what this verse is explicitly saying is it's not about you. And I it's think, not about what you do. And I think different people from different backgrounds fill out that list differently. So like, what am I saved by? So a lot of people will be like, okay, I'm saved by, if you grew up maybe in like a Christian background going up to church, it's like by going to Sunday service, by reading the Bible, by praying, by giving money, that does actually nothing to save you. It does not do anything. Mm-hmm. Now, people that maybe didn't grow up in a spiritual background, they, they think of what saves them as morality, being a good person, uh, like helping like do justice. Again, these are good things, but it's not the, the equation. I think so many people think, if I, work, if I do this, then I get mm-hmm. saved by God. But what, what it's clearly saying, it's through this act of faith, which a lot of people I don't think even get, what does it actually mean to have faith? Like, what does faith mean? Yeah, and I think faith is an interesting word. And um, I actually think about Jason when we got married. Like, I, we had dated for a year, and I, I knew a lot about you. Like, I knew quite a we bit of that. You're so mature. Cause we were <laughs> so mature. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so, yeah, a lot of faith. I knew quite a bit about Jason before we got married, but there, there came this point. Um, in our life before we got married where I had to decide, okay, I know a lot about Jason. I don't know everything, but from what I do know, I'm going to go all in in and say yes. And there was still a little bit that I didn't know. Like there were still things I didn't know about you, Mm -hmm. but I had come to know quite a bit of your character over that year where I decided, okay, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to say yes. And we got married. And we've just continued you know, to build that relationship. And I think that's what it looks like with God. I think people can sometimes be thinking, okay, I gotta wait till I know everything. Like, yeah. I don't know everything yet. And I think there's a lot of things we can know. Like, the, the Bible's amazing. Um, there's so many things that we can know about God, but there is this point where you, you receive God's grace and His forgiveness, and then you just have to take that step of faith where you say, okay, you know what? I'm going all in. I've seen some of your character and I'm going all in. I'm saying yes. And we're going to continue to grow this like the rest of our lives. And so many people think that in order to make that decision, the first step they have to take is to clean their life up. Like I've got, I've got to learn more. I've got to like go to church more. I've got to like read the Bible more and understand more knowledge. But the whole point of faith is faith is belief in what you do not yet see. It is hope in what has not yet been received. And so taking that step of faith is actually, you can take that step of faith in light of not knowing enough. You can take it in light of not having your life cleaned up because that was the whole point is it's not us that clean our lives up. Like in our own strength, we will always fail in trying to just change our behavior and clean things up. Like we need the power of Jesus in our lives. One of my favorite examples in the Bible is actually when Jesus is on the cross dying. You know, you'll see like in like pictures, like you'll see two other crosses, one on each side. And there's this story and anyone that died on a cross, Jesus had not committed any crime uh, but they put him on a cross. But the other two next to him, we know are probably murderers. Yeah. Done some very serious crime. And one of them's up there. And in one moment of their dying on the cross, the cross was such a grueling, miserable death. It was hours upon hours of like your body suffocating, basically, and mm-hmm. rising itself back up. 
he's making fun of Jesus, this other criminal on the cross. And then a few hours later, it says that he looks over at Jesus and he goes, like, forgive me. Like, I want to be in paradise with you. And Jesus is like, today you'll be in paradise with me. Yeah. And did that sinner on the cross do anything? Mm. No. He had this transition in his heart where he goes, you actually are Lord, you are Savior, and I trust you. Yeah. And Jesus doesn't go, you know what? Didn't do enough. It was, no, you have faith. You'll be in paradise yeah. with me. And we all need to look at our own lives and go, it's not about cleaning it up. It's actually just about coming to Jesus. Yeah, because our culture says do more, work more, give more. You know, it's just, it's, it's countercultural to, to say belief mm-hmm. and an honest heart surrender is what gets you there. It's mm-hmm. almost harder than doing. So if someone's listening right now and maybe they're not sure where they fall on the spectrum of grace and being saved in Jesus, like how does somebody apply this verse and how does somebody apply grace to their lives today? Uh, I mean, the first thing is just step is deciding what you're doing with Jesus. A lot of people will be like, ask Jesus into your heart. It's really just, what are you going to do with it? Like, Mm. are you actually, is this true? And if it's true, it changes everything. Do you really believe that Jesus was the son of God, that he came down to earth, that he lived a sinless life? And if he did that and he died and then he proved his Godship by raising from the dead If you believe that, it changes everything. So it first goes down to, do I believe that? And once I believe that, it's not just, oh, sounds good. It actually should transform your heart. Just like going back to our marriage, when we made that decision, it wasn't like, okay, we're married. And then now we go live our separate paths. There was faith to say I do, but I do was the beginning of the journey, not the destination. We're continually like, going on to this new destination of more maturity in our marriage, same thing happens with our relationship yeah. with Jesus. Yeah, the Apostle Paul in Romans 10, 9, he writes, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And so if you're listening and that's you right now, like it can be as simple as just praying a prayer and saying, mm-hmm. Jesus, I believe in you. Like, I, mm-hmm. like saying it out loud, I believe in my heart that you are God and that you were raised from the dead. And uh, it's at that point that we receive the Holy Spirit. It's at that point that our life begins to, tr- begins mm-hmm. to be transformed by the power of Jesus' grace. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. So I, I guess last question for you guys as we close. Um, one of the best definitions of discipleship, because this is a podcast for everyday disciples. One of the best definitions of discipleship I've ever heard is just passing on. It's passing on the things that God is doing in your life. It's passing on the things that you've learned to somebody else who maybe you're a little bit further ahead of. Um, how do we pass this on to somebody? I, I think this verse um, hits everybody. I think it's so good in particular for maybe those of you who have friends who have grown up in a more traditional background, who maybe have some baggage with, like I said, that friend I was talking to who thought it was all about what they do. Um, this, I would encourage you to share this verse with your friend. Unpack how it is not about works um, and how it really is about faith. Um, so yeah, I think this would be a, verse, a great verse to pass on to somebody to help them kind of who's feeling stuck in that arena of works. Yeah, and, the, and redefining what does it mean to have good works? Because what, what it, this verse is not saying, if you read verse 10, is that it says we're actually created in Jesus to do good things. Yeah. Like, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be so different than the culture around us. Like, you should be loving, you should bear this fruit, but it doesn't come from yourself. 
it comes from a transformation of heart. So it first comes not from doing, it comes from faith. Then the response out of that is there's this life you're living. So I just think it is so true. So many people have this flipped backwards. They're like, I'll do more good things, then God will love me. No, God loves you. You can't do anything for it. It's receive it. But out of that receiving it, you're going to be doing good things. And so if you can help people just shift that paradigm, this is maybe the number one thing that I think in our culture prevents people from following Jesus and be, like being a disciple that makes disciples. So I think just continually like helping people process it. And I like yeah. that one uh, word, it's not so that we can boast. Hmm. I think that penetrates people's hearts. So if you could unpack that even, what do you think it means? Like, why do we want to boast in our, like how we save ourselves? Yeah. If you ask that question, why, why is that a tendency for us? Well, what, what boasting ultimately is rooted is it's a form of pride. It's a form of actually self-salvation, yeah. right? Like I did something to earn this or I did something to deserve this. But what, what the author of this book, Ephesians, is actually telling us is that Nobody can boast because it's completely an act of grace. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing this great quote from, there's a, a great Christian thinker guy, Dallas Willard. Um, you've probably, probably heard me talk about him before. And uh, he said that grace is opposed to earning, but not opposed to effort. Yeah. Right? So like what you're saying is, is that it's not just I sit back, I completely receive everything, and I do nothing. Like our, our doing for Jesus, like the good works that he prepared for every single person should flow out of an abundance of our being. Mm -hmm. yeah. And even I, I have a quick little story. Jason and I, um, for a lot of our career, worked on a college campus. We love college students. And what we would see is when, um, when we would see students come to faith and when we would see them like start growing in their relationship with God, all of a sudden they would gain this natural, inf natural influence. They would become the leaders in the fraternity and in their sorority. And um, they would gain this influence that came from just being with God. And those kind of, those good works, they started flowing out of them. People started following them and they became leaders because they were, the, they were loving people around them. They weren't treating their sorority sisters like most of the girls in the house. And so through that transformed life, they gained leadership. And we saw that passed on down in, um, in the college campus. So that was just a neat thing to see. And I, I see this over and over again, even in our world like of young professionals, yeah. when people start living it out in their like business or in their workplace, people are like, man, you're so different. And then just being able to pull up this verse and going, yeah, this is one of the reasons I'm different. So I guess I would just encourage you how to pass this on is, is there someone in your life right now that you're going, okay, they need to hear more what it looks like to have mm. grace and to experience grace. And it could be someone that you think is like spiritually open or has been maybe trying to follow God for a while. Cause we never grow out of this. If you think you're too good to talk through grace, like every time I read this verse, mm it really hits my heart because I'm like, I need yeah. the grace of God in my life. So find someone that needs this in their life and just maybe share it with them. We also have some resources on our website to help you share this verse that you can go check out. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, uh, but as we close, you know, we can be a people who are continually fighting against the culture, who are living as followers of Jesus, as everyday disciples uh, in the midst of a crazy culture. Uh, join us uh, for our next podcast. We're going to talk about how to hear God's voice through his